the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Now, today we have a very special guest, Jeff Latch, joining us, uh, the head of uh, Spark Sport. Welcome along, Jeff. Paul, lovely to be here with you today. A uh, real, real treat to chat uh, with you and really looking uh, forward to diving in and, uh, and talking sport. Uh, before we do that, I've got a few uh, bits and pieces of, uh, of news that I'm just going to, uh, going to, to run through and, uh, and then we'll, we'll get into the big discussion on sport and streaming mm-hmm. and uh, online entertainment. So uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's jump in. Now, um, the last few days, I've got to say, been have been pretty harrowing. Uh, found it pretty hard to get my head around the um, the attacks last week. I, I flew in uh, to New Zealand on uh, Friday afternoon from uh, from Melbourne, and uh, as I was uh, sitting in, in a car heading heading home from the airport, was was when I read the news. And um, yeah, it was uh, not a not an easy thing to get uh, to get your head around, and you know, I guess this is something uh, really we're dealing with right right across the country. Um, but out of that, there are, there are a couple of things that um, you know have have um, come through in the news that, that I think I need to mention uh, because they they relate to uh, technology and 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 they relate to the events of Friday. Um, the the you know the fir- the first one um, being that our internet s- service providers have worked together um, to quite quickly uh, start blocking websites that were uh, were showing the footage of the attack, and you know I think this this is really important because the, there's you know nothing good was going to come from uh, from watching this content, and. In fact, I think uh, you know the the next piece of that picture uh, that we saw on Monday uh, was an individual who um, was in court for sharing that content because you know in actual fact it's you know it's illegal to share uh, and and spread that that type of uh, content around. Um, so. Yeah, that was sort of the flip side of of you know those that uh, those that actually chose to um, you know chose to take the government's live uh, live stream footage and uh, and and push that up online. Um, the media coverage I read from uh, Herald was talking about I think a maximum uh, sentence of fourteen years in in, in jail. So it's um, yeah, it's something that the law doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't treat very lightly. Uh, at all, um, and and then um, there was um, a let an email today that was a, a, a shared communications uh, across from an open letter from um, the CEOs of Spark, Vodafone, and Two Degrees to the global CEOs of Facebook. Twitter and Google, and it highlighted the actions um, that our certainly our largest uh, internet providers uh, here took in terms of blocking uh, blocking that content. And of course, there were um, there were others that uh, that blocked it a, as well uh, as those, those three. Um, but you know, basically. Uh, the the highlight was that um, you know they're they're really calling on uh, on the big players that control content and they referenced Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, and Google. 
um, that there needs to be an urgent uh, discussion around uh, how we bring a solution to uh, to to these issues of you know of of really really disgusting content making its way on online. Uh, and you know, certainly, you know, I, I agree. We've got to uh, we've got to get our heads around this stuff. It's 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 not easy. I don't mm. think there's a uh, an easy answer. <laughs> and I did I did a uh, a radio interview uh, this morning where you know it was discussed. Well, you know, can't the platforms just you know aren't they smart enough just to block this content? But uh, you know, there, there, there's an aspect there that's you know probably. Somewhat similar to the challenges we've seen with being able to block spam, which you know, I guess those technologies have got uh, a lot better in in, in recent years. Um, but when somebody tries to upload a bit of content and it doesn't get through, they keep modifying it until you know such point that the AI can't recognise exactly what it is, and it eventually uh, gets through in uh, in, in some form. Um, so. Yeah, it's um, it's worrying. I, I saw media coverage talking about um, you know the amount of times that that video had uh, had got um, uploaded, uh, re-uploaded to uh, to Facebook and 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 other platforms, and the large majority of those uh, uploads were were instantly blocked. But you know maybe twenty um, percent were getting were getting through. So. Right. Yeah. There's a way to go for the technology, isn't there, on some of these things? Well, no, I think there is, and I think. What was dreadful about this one is that the the footage actually was part of the atrocity. Mm, mm, uh, it, mm. it, so it's yeah, it was dreadful. Yeah. So yeah, not not always easy uh, easy answers to uh, to to the challenges. And uh, you know, I guess we've got to remember that technology gets used for lots of and and social media you know gets gets used for good things as well. And there are there are good discussions that I have mm. that I had on online. And uh, you know, uh, hopefully we we see things more veering in in that direction. That you know, when we see things and and attitudes coming in online that aren't so good, that we look out for. Uh, ways to be able to, um, you know, steer, steer people in the right direction. Although I've got to say that I'm not sure Facebook is necessarily the best place to have those discussions. <laughs> tend to tend to get off, uh, you know, into a pretty messy state pretty pretty quickly. Um, but you know, certainly it may be may be uh, trigger to have uh, uh, have more offline discussions with with people if uh, you know we we see their. Uh, uh, discussions online being, um, you know, some, somewhat out of line. Truly, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that that um, that, that caught caught my eye that and doesn't, um, you know, r- relate um, to that directly um, was a headline about this um, facial recognition uh, bill that would require. Uh, consent from uh, companies before they start sharing uh, sharing data around, and look, this this to me sounds sounds like uh, you know a, a perfect situation where we do need to back up where you know where technology's gone uh, with appropriate sort of legislation to uh, you know to underpin what's going on. You know who who would want to know that uh, you know. Their uh, biometric identity is uh, is floating around the internet. I don't think anyone is uh, probably too too keen for that. But you know, no. probably most of us do have our our photos online, mo- 
multiple times, and a, and a, and, a, and I guess a, a bad actor could uh, uh, you know could use that in um, you know in all sorts of ways. But at least if we have some legislation, um, you know the 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 best of that data that's being you know captured specifically for uh, facial recognition would be under a uh, a, a set of rules. Oh, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, I think if you think about customs. Yeah, facial recognition absolutely makes perfect sense and people understand why it's been done and it's not been done to them unknown. Mm. But I think other than that, there's probably a couple of other other examples of where it, it clearly makes really good sense and no one's going to question it. Otherwise, I think we do need some legislation. Mm, mm. Yeah, I was um, one one thing I missed. There was the unruly tourists that were uh, that were in in New Zealand and, and right across the uh, uh, the media for a, f- a few weeks uh, there post uh, post Christmas and New Year. And I had uh, missed it, but this was something that um, Chris Keel, when I was with him in uh, in, in uh, Melbourne last week, um, shared with me was how uh, and and maybe everybody else knows this, but I'd missed it that uh, one of these tourists who I think was before the courts managed to get out of the country and get through customs. The facial recognition had not recognised uh, this individual because they were travelling on a passport that was not their own. Right, and then it flipped to the the customs agent to uh, to individually verify them and i guess they got so used to the fact that you know who does that who tries to get out of the country illegally it would be the it would be a one in a million type scenario right True. and so that thing came up and they looked and it was like oh yep male you know brown hair whatever yeah that's probably the guy um, I, do, I don't know. It's a little. It's a little bit hard to get your uh, get get your head around uh, that 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 happened. But um, yeah, uh, out of out of out of the country, you know, despite the AI saying uh, no, and uh, you know, my my matching says this is not the not not the same person. And, and the, I guess the other understandable fact is that. Any of these facial recognition systems actually tend to have a lot of failures. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here um, using Microsoft Surface today, and when I tried to uh, tried to log into it earlier on the day, I don't know whether the, the screen was at the wrong angle uh, or what it was, but it was asking me to uh, to log in uh, manually. You know, even though you know it's got its 3D facial recognition that that work yesterday uh, wasn't having a bar of me today. today right so I don't know what did I do you know cut my hair my you know glasses too reflective today or you know some other such thing so uh, yeah there, there, there's that aspect where we, we get so reliant on the technology but uh, also it doesn't quite get it right and um, you know we, we just you know um, maybe you know don't uh, don't don't query it enough because of the the mistakes and so on. Not I'm not quite sure about that one, but um, yeah, I, I think it is pleasing when we when we see appropriate legislation come to under underpin things that are going on in the uh, in the in the world of world of technology. So um, yeah, that 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 one is. Um, Coming out of the US, but certainly the sort of thing that that I would, um, you know, I'd be expecting to see on a much more, um, you know, on a global global basis, really. Uh, and the other little uh, little snippet of news came in this morning was uh, new iPads from Apple, a new iPad Mini and uh, iPad Air. 
now, look, Apple's one of the one of those companies that um, you know some things I very much uh, am impressed by them on. Other other things, not so much. And uh, over the Christmas break, I was looking for an iPad for uh, my son for for school for the year, mm. and so I had a look, and uh, you know the choice was a was an iPad Mini or you know one of the other models. And I thought, well, the iPad Mini is probably about the right size um, for you know it's going to be a bit easier to get around than than a, than a bigger one and so on. Um, except I found the model that they were selling, and they were still selling it at the same price. I think it probably launched at X number of years ago. Um, basically, the technology and it was you know quite a number of years old, and it was you know out of date. And I thought. Come on, Apple. What's you know? What what are you doing selling this? You know what felt just like a a rip off, really. Yeah, uh, selling old, out of date technology. Well, today they fixed they fixed it. They got a new their iPad Mini. They've refreshed the iPad Mini and uh, and the and the iPad um, Air uh, latest processors. Uh, iPad Mini comes with uh, sixty four uh, gigs of, of storage at a at a minimum, uh, which is is nice. Uh, what does it launch at six seventy nine in in New Zealand? Uh, for the Wi-Fi one, and it's another 120 on top if you want um, the the cellular capability. Uh, sorry, 220 on top. I thought that was sounding a little bit low. Uh, 220 on top to get the, um, the the cellular capabilities built in, um, and the, there's uh, a new iPad Air there as well, starting around eight eight fifty. Um, now the the other thing is that they've uh, with that iPad. Um, Mini now uh, is that it's got uh, support for the Apple Pencil, so that's you know they're ah, using, very the, using the stylus on the screen. Um, but because of the, I don't know the the technicalities of how they've built this, the new iPad Mini has the older Lightning connector, which is the well the Lightning connector, which is on a lot of iPhones. Uh, but of course, we're seeing the the new um, iPad Pros come with a USB C connector, and they've got this wireless charging for the next generation of Apple Pencil. So if you've got right. a, an iPad Pro with the new Apple Pencil, uh sounds like that's not going to work with the uh the iPad mini. You need the you need the old uh, Apple Pencil to uh it's never uh, easy to, to to work with it. And it seems like uh the the iPad Air um you know some somewhat similar in those uh, in those regards. Um yeah a couple of other little bits and pieces in there worth reading online if you're uh, if you're very keen on uh, um, checking out the new um, iPads. Now, before we jump into um, sport, I wanted to talk a little bit about my uh, my trip to uh, Melbourne last week. Uh, myself and uh, Chris Keel from uh, from the Herald went across there uh, with Epson. And I was kind of curious why why are they uh, why are they taking journalists across to Melbourne? What is what is this new technology that they're unveiling? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it was tied in with the uh, Melbourne Grand Prix because they're a uh, they're one of the you know I guess the the, the key uh, sponsors there, and their you know logos are, uh, um, are are very clearly seen on the Mercedes uh, vehicles. So it turns to be on. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, turns out the they they tend to do this thing um, annually, but in the past it's been. Uh, I think the Kiwis have generally been left left out of uh, these things. So yeah, it was it was very uh, very interesting just to um, you know see that tie up for me as uh, you know I guess someone and I always talk about myself as oh yeah I don't have too much interest in uh, in sport, um, but uh, you know of course when when you get 
closely exposed to something and uh, you know we, we went uh, we went down to the track and we got taken through the Mercedes garage uh, you know it certainly uh, exponentially increased I think my interest in the <laughs> in the F1 um, also assisted by the new Netflix series uh, yeah. on, on the F1 as well which is, is thoroughly recommended to uh, anyone that uh, has, has any sort of you know vague, vague interest and of course there's there's been some um, great movies in recent years as well um, you know there's the Senna mm-hmm. yeah um, what's the other one um, oh there's a, there's a there's a couple more and at least a couple of them are you know are on are on Netflix so um, yeah I've sort of you know gone from the, this person without too much interest in it. and of course we haven't haven't um, you know I think maybe in my younger years stuff like the F1 was on on free to wear TV so it'd just be something you'd you know you'd come across on I don't know Sunday afternoon sport or something and uh, um, not not so much uh, these days so um, yeah the increased exposure I think has uh, has got me a bit interested um, but there were yeah there were th- um, three products that they were they were sort of sh- showing off alongside that that um, you know I guess tied in in some ways to the uh, the partnership that they that Epson are doing Epson are doing with uh, Mercedes um, one it was their uh, their smart glasses mm-hmm. and uh, Epson have been doing these for uh, at least a couple of years I think and quite different from um, the the Microsoft um, Hollow Hollow Lens or ho- the Hollow Lens Two, which is you know a big headset that you're basically yeah. carrying the whole computer on your head. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Epson uh, approach involves what's a a, a pretty light uh, set of set of glasses, um, and then you've got something that sort of looks a little bit like a, a small smartphone with 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 no screen that it's tethered to, mm-hmm. which you can either use for for control or if you were just consuming some content i guess you you know put it in your put it in your pocket so right. you know you don't have a whole lot of weight on your head um in terms of battery life um apparently around um around one hour for the um uh Muverio, i think it's called um you know product that they that they showed mm-hmm. off um now they uh, they were sort of indicating a potential as a entertainment type device. So I'm, you know, I guess after having seen varying, you know, demos and so on with uh, these smart glasses and augmented reality type uh, products, I think yes, there there probably is a a space for gaming and and that that type of thing. Um, but uh, the Muverio product to me seemed seemed like something that would maybe be more for uh, you know commercial types of uh, circumstances. Although one demo they talked about or one scenario in which they they've been used, which um, uh, you know clicked for me as being a good uh, use case because basically what you you've got you know you can look through the glasses as you'd normally be looking and seeing what's around you, um, but also you get you know, basically a, a screen that sort of pops up in your, you know, in your line of sight. Um, and so they, they talked about a scenario where somebody flying a drone can basically look up, you can see your drone in your sky, in the mm. sky, but then also in your view, you would be able to see, you know, what's coming from your drone's uh, camera. So that sort of, you know, first person view or, or what have you from the drone, which I thought, oh, that would be, uh, that'd be quite, uh, quite handy. I guess there's people that race drones and, and so on. So it gives you, uh, gives you those two different views. Well, absolutely. I think the ones I've seen most recently was a demonstration of virtual reality glasses yes and it had been done around um, mixed martial arts 
and what was what was really interesting about it was it looked very much like a live video game. Mm, mm. The look and feel was actually very similar to to gaming, and so I thought potentially that looked like it had a lot of potential because it was they'd come up with a much cheaper way of actually shooting the material than what I'd seen previously, and that that looked like it might well work. Mm, mm. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, there's there's probably a little bit of comparison with other sort of you know newer technologies, you know, five G for mm. instance. Um, you know, we still don't know yet what are all what are what are all the use cases for five G for you know ten gig uh, uh, ultra fast broadband connections to our our home, but. Inevitably, over over time, we will uh, we will see things that will come along that are going to take advantage, and and I feel like we're still in that place for this sort of uh, technology as well. There's a bit of maturing to be done, uh, more experimentation. Um, the examples that they did they did show is they had a um, a very uh, a, a, you know couple couple of very nice vehicles that I wouldn't have minded uh, you know take, taking with me a couple of Mercedes, um, and they had little uh, markers on them in different places. You could go and sit inside and you'd look at a particular place, and there was a visual marker that would trigger uh, the glasses to give you more. Uh, information or put up car. some some mm. view. Um, so one was on the bonnet, and you look at that, and then it sort of explodes out a, a view of the engine yeah. inside. Now the, the the software and the demonstration they were doing, you know, wasn't wasn't super slick. I guess it you know it's not, it wasn't a uh, um, you know something that they were using commercially, uh, but it gave you a feel for what was what, what was possible. Mm. Um, the other was where you could go, and it, you, this was you would. Um, uh, there was a, a, a marker or a sticker on the, the the back of the vehicle, and if you looked at that, it gave you options for colours of the vehicle. Um, and now, they, again, they hadn't quite taken it quite as far as what they could have done. Um, what they were allowing you to do was see a, a sort of mini version of the of the car um, in different colours, and you could go and pick your colour and get a feel for what it might look like in your favourite colour. Um, but the glasses were also um, able to kind of you know re- recreate the entire car as you as you looked at it um, give you a digital view of it and of course they could have taken they could have taken that full sort of real view and and actually allowed you to recolor the vehicle so you could jump in and you know walk around the car and see the whole thing and whatever your favorite color is even though the showroom might not have that particular uh, color available so yeah, some I think some some interesting uh, some interesting things to, uh, to 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 see there. Um, they also showed off their latest projectors. Now, the one um, trend that I I hadn't uh, caught personally was uh, um, lasers being built into projectors and delivering quite good results. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm not not sure if uh, if you've come across that too much uh, Jeff but I remember when when we first saw projectors that um, that had lasers embedded they weren't particularly bright but it was the latest and great you know certainly the the latest new thing in in projectors and the benefit was uh, that you'd never have to change the bulb in, in your projector uh, because they would last for 20,000 
odd odd hours and you know I guess compared to the typical projector about five times as long and yeah. at least as long as as a you know projector's uh, life um, but their newest ones they can just keep adding more and more lasers so they've got some incredibly bright uh, projectors up to I think 20,000 uh, lumens and they had this one which was designed for a, a retail space and I actually think I'd quite like to have one in our studio um, and it was uh, it was just sort of hung as though it were a, were a light um, you know a small sort of small lens but it didn't look like your traditional projector type shape it looked like some sort of a um, a light that you might have in a, in a retail space or at a, um, a you know club or music type event um, but it was using laser to uh, project an image and um, because they were in the Mercedes showroom they took um, there was a Mercedes logo on the wall around logo and uh, they were able to project just into the middle of that sort of imagery so basically you took Clever. this logo on a very dark surface it was maybe not quite black but a very dark surface that you wouldn't expect to be able to project onto but with the laser it just looked stunning. Suddenly, there was live, uh, you know, video footage and so on in inside uh, the spaces in the logo. So, um, yeah, very slick. Um, and they also showed off some of their, um, their their printing stuff as well. But it was the uh, smart glasses and the uh, laser projectors that um, certainly caught caught my interest. Now, on to sport, Jeff. <laughs> So Beautiful. I want to know what's going what's going on with the Spark Sport. Um, last week, of course, you've 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 come out of beta. We've been talking about this on the show for uh, uh, well, not come out of beta. You've come into beta. You've launched you launched your beta, so people can uh, now start having a having a look, having a little uh, bit of a poke around. Um, you know your your initial versions of um, of Spark Sport, um, but you've got some pretty big plans. We have, we have. So t- tell us all. Well, it's been a really exciting week for us, right? So it was terrific to be able to go and uh, beat it you know, on Thursday for people to come on board. We thought the launch went really well. Um, to come straight into the Australian Grand Prix in the first weekend, that's pretty tough ask because um, that's a big event and it's a pretty special event and it's got a group of fans that are incredibly passionate about the sport. And so we were really keen to do a good job and the feedback we've had has been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, yeah. I read in one of your uh, releases, you over 9,000 uh, customers uh, subscribed and have jumped on board and uh, started trying things out. That's correct, yeah. And, um, and without actually going out and advertising it at all, because it's been effectively a, a pretty soft launch, relying on just PR releases and then the, the social conversation, et cetera, that's followed it. Um, yeah, for 9,000 people to come in in the first four days, you know, that was certainly terrific from our perspective. Um, and I think most of the feedback we had has been really positive. And we said we wanted feedback because yeah, that's really what beta is all about is to get that feedback in terms of, well, this might change or this could be improved if you were to do this. And the feedback we've got has been really Terrific as well because it's been actionable. Mm. I think we've had some really good feedback from people in terms of things that maybe we could think about in terms of improvements or extra functionality or what about this, what about that. Yeah. So, yep. so very, very good. I mean, we we really – I can't say enough how good the fans have been in terms of providing us with some really useful feedback to improve the service going forward. Mm. So um, I guess, yeah, all sorts of you know questions and, and, and thoughts uh, you know, come to mind. I'm, I'm curious in terms of what, you know, what do you see this sort of, you know, 
playing out like in the in the longer term? You know, perhaps what sort of sport do you expect to have? Um, you know, how uh, how do you think the the playing field will be for um, customers? I think one of the things we've talked about on the show is that. You know the change. The changing uh, nature of content means that the the old days where we went and paid a big stack of cash to to one provider um, in in Spark, the, you know the picture is going to look quite different. And so, uh, you know, in some cases we'll be streaming through a service like uh, Spark Sport. Uh, in other ca- cases, it might be through you know the um, um, the entity that runs that sport might decide to. You know, sell it them themselves. Um, in terms of what people spend, well, if you're really into sport, you might well be spending more money than you've um, spent before. If you want to catch everything, because a whole lot of different providers, uh, and your sport isn't being subsidised by those who are. Uh, not interested in in paying for sport, and why we've ended up with offerings like you know Netflix and Lightbox that you know give you a, a really nice chunk of content uh, for sub twenty dollars a month. Right? There's there's a lot of change go- going on. It, there's huge amount of change, and it's I think it's a really exciting time, and I think it's going to lead to I'd like to think greater accessibility of sport to New Zealanders than we've seen over the last sort of fifteen years. And I think that's got to be a terrific development. Um, but to answer your question, which we had several parts to it, <laughs> um, in terms of content to kick off there, for, you know, for those that aren't aware, the content that we've launched with, um, it's Formula One, Formula Two, GP3, Porsche Racing Series, NBA TV, uh, Manchester United TV, the FIH Pro Series Hockey, uh, which is Black Sticks Men and Women, Heineken Cup Rugby out of the UK, yeah, which is their premier competition. Edge Sport, um, one champ- yeah, Edge Sport is an extreme sports channel. What's really interesting about that is it's actually going to be playing Crankworks from Rotorua yeah, this weekend. Great. So for people that are really into that, that's a fantastic event. And so yeah, people will be able to actually see that on Edge Sport. So that's live. Um, one championship if you're into MMA. So that's now available on the platform as well. So we're trying to make it avail- you know, a range of sporting content available to people, NBA TV. And from August, we'll have the English Premier League, you know, all 380 matches live, which which kind of brings me on to why I think streaming is so good for sport. In fact, I you, think you've been in this TV world for a long time. I right? have. I've been in here for the best part of 30 odd years. <laughs> and so, and, and a variety of different roles. And I, I mean, I love sport. I'm passionate about sport. I think streaming is better for sport than it is for entertainment programs. So why if, is that? Well, that's be, it's because of a few things. Because it's, it's harder to do technically to get get it all working uh, working well. If, ever, if certainly if the whole country jumps on board at a, at a time trying to watch something, that's true. So there have been technical challenges, which is one of the reasons why it's lagged behind entertainment streaming. But the reality is, if you think about sport, a lot of the sport that's available in New Zealand is from the northern hemisphere. It comes in at times which therefore don't always suit people. Um, what do you have to do at the moment? Well, you can get up and you can watch it live, and streaming services allow for that, so you can get up and watch it live. You can actually see three different fixtures that are playing live or five or six or seven all at the same time. You can choose the one you want to watch because then they all become VOD assets. 
you know, people can then choose to watch, you wake up in the morning, they're all waiting for you. Yeah, you know, so you take the Premier League want, yeah, right. from August on, yeah. you know, all overnight games, they'll be waiting for you. If you want to watch the full match, you can choose the one you want to watch. Yep. There will also be highlights available. So if you don't want the full McCoy, you can just go and watch your piece. Don't have to record it. Don't have to remember to set the machine and the rest of it, which, let's face it, we all forget to do from time to time. And also because it's, there's no restriction in terms of a linear schedule, you can actually carry a whole lot of the support content that normally you will never see on a linear channel because it's hard to schedule. Right. So, so if you're very keen on a particular sport, you can really drill into that extra content that, that just wouldn't make it to air otherwise. Yeah, interviews with the coaches, the press mm. conferences potentially, mm. or it could be tips or it could be players and their feedback on what's going on or how to play the game or how to play it better. All of that material can easily sit within a streaming service so you can build verticals on sports. Right. Where you've got the live, then you've got the replays and you've got the highlights and then you've got the supporting content. And it can stay there for a while. Mm. You know, mm. So if you miss it... You know, if we look at F1, for example, we're going to be able to have probably three Grand Prix there, the last three. So if you miss something, you can go back, you can watch the good bits, you can fast forward, go backwards. I think for sport, when you think about it, streaming is a magic thing and you can watch it on any device. Yeah, you know, So you can start out, you can be watching it on your big screen at home and then you're jumping in the car, you can catch up with it on your phone, you can look at it at your iPad, you get to the office, you can look at your computer screen. Never get any work done. Well, that could well be the case. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's, I think streaming is actually incredibly powerful for delivery of sporting content. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's actually more important in some ways, if you think about it, than entertainment content. Mm. So, mm. I, yeah, I think it's the future of sports delivery. And so, but then getting back to your accessibility kind of question, I think, you know, at the moment, you know, Sky Sports and, you know, Sky do a terrific job. It isn't around 400,000 households out of, what, 1.8 million in New Zealand. So, that's 22%. You know, so 78% of people don't actually have that ability and a lot of that's about the price point and because it's expensive. We really believe that we can bring the price of sport right down low. That's why we've come out at, you know, it's free for the first 30 days so you should pile in free and, and trial it and see what you think. And then 1999, you know, we would love there to be a million households that actually can access sport. Um, and so I think there's a wonderful opportunity to make sport more accessible. And because it's a freemium site, mm. some of the content's free, right? It's not all, you don't have to, you know, yes, the best content will be what you pay for, but we're also going to put content up free. And you know, an example, again, of how we do that, if you look at Formula One, practice sessions, free. And then if you want to see qualifying in the race itself, that's when you, you have to subscribe. Right, but so so I've gone and signed up for the uh, the beta trial. I put in my credit card details, so that'll flick over to a paid account and yep. be a 30, 30 days or mm-hmm. twenty six days or how many I've got to go. Um, so if at the end of that I decide I don't want to go on to the paid account, then then yes. I'll still be able to log in and see those other freebies, or will you be able to go in and access those without even a login? How will that work for the? Uh, you'll have to have a login, so you'll yep. actually default down right. to watch the free content. Right. So you'll be okay. able to watch you know, the practice sessions of F one mm. mm. and a range of other content that we'll make available. 
Right. All designed to entice me into sign- signing up and paying, of Correct. course. Yeah. So uh, maybe talk, uh, talk us uh, through some of the aspects that I'm sure listeners are curious about um, that are pretty standard within your industry and your realm, but mm. we, we won't know too much about. Now, um, when it comes to developing a, you know, a streaming app, um, you know, of course, people will be thinking, um, and, and this was, you know, certainly my thought. Well, the way to make this really easy for everyone is a lot of people have already got the Lightbox app. You should throw it in inside there rather than having another app. But, you know, as it happens, the, the, you know, the provider for a service like Lightbox, uh, versus the provider for, um, streaming sport, um, tends to be a different provider. I think you're working with iStream Planet to provide Correct. provide your streaming service. So, although someone as big as say Amazon could have you know one app that does it all, that's not really a, a practical thing here for you, is it? Well, not really. And I think the philosophy that we've embraced is we're outsourcing to world experts. Yeah. So we we chose iStream Planet because they're one of the leading um, proponents of sports streaming uh, in the world. We wanted to work with someone who had actually done big events, you know, and so they've been involved with Super Bowls and with Summer Olympics. You know, they've they've had concurrent streams of more than four million. They're doing March Madness at the moment in the USA, which where everything goes ballistic with the NBA and and other basketball. And it's, I think, we wanted to make sure we worked with someone who were experts, which actually was was one of the real learnings. We'd gone that way anyway, but if you look at Optus across across the Tasman, and you know they had some well publicised issues around the FIFA World Cup. <laughs> you know, so we went yeah, had a good chat, a, 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 good chat to them, yeah, you know, yeah. because yeah, they'd had a high profile, obviously in New Zealand, because we'd announced by then that we were carrying the the Rugby World Cup or would be with TVNZ. And I think um, what came out of that is that the parts that they had sourced from around the world from experts all worked perfectly. Where they fell over was where they tried to do it themselves. You know, so they tried to look after the authentication themselves and they tried to look after the CDN architecture themselves. We're not doing that. We're working with people that are global experts and they do what they do best. And that's exactly why, even though we thought about, gee, could we actually build this into Lightbox? Lightbox hasn't been designed to handle live sport and large numbers of people viewing concurrently. Yeah. You've got to work with the partners and the people that actually know how to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And and how do the business aspects of buying, you know, buying up rights for these, you know, sports, how does, how does that look? Paint us a high-level view. I'm not asking for you to reveal any, <laughs> any you know, trade secret numbers or anything, but just the, you know, the the, the broad brushstrokes on, uh, you know, how it works. How do you go and, you know, cut the deals for these sorts of sports? And, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, well, most, most sports actually work on a multi-year deal basis. So normally you'd end up negotiating for a tranche of, of rights that will be for three years or four years or five, depending on what the property is and what the rights holder actually wants to do. Um, increasingly, the, the rights over the last sort of 10 years have actually been split into a variety of different categories. You know, so you used to only have free-to-air and then you had free-to-air and linear pay. And then you had free-to-air, linear pay, AVOD, SVOD, AR, VR. There's been an explosion of rights and that have, yeah. So when you negotiate now, you negotiate across the bundle of rights. Typically, 
Um, we're so, certainly, so that's why content you're getting is able to be displayed on on uh, you know, TVNZ as as well correct. through your service because you're buying you know broader rights than what you specifically need uh, for your you know d- d- app based delivery. Correct, and so normally people buy all rights. So when you buy, you buy all. Although it used to be all these different categories, now it's really free or pay. Mm, yeah, mm, so mm. and pay can mean linear pay. It can be subscription pay. Um, and free can mean free to air, or it could be free as in freemium as as per our app. So it's kind of free or pay. Um, most people, when they sell them, bundle them together, and so they put them all together. Um, and then, yeah, you have a negotiation. Depends. Often, it's a bid process that you go through in terms of competing with other people that are interested. Um, it becomes it's becoming more complex because there are some players now that are buying global rights or regional rights rather than individual territory rights. And then what, what does what does that mean? If you want something they've bought, then you've got to go and sub sort of license it, it off them or, or in some cases it might just be completely off and uh, it's, it's, it's in their hands. I guess that's where you see the likes of an Amazon uh, potentially coming in and, and doing things in the future. Yes. So, for example, they did a global deal with the NFL to take Thursday night football, you know, 10 matches, I think, and then they had the ability to push that out around the world. Um, Sometimes the sports are packaged up together in multi-sport channels like ESPN. So they will buy the global rights to something and it'll, their biggest market obviously is the US, but then they'll push it out through ESPN 1 or ESPN 2 into 100 different markets around the world. And so it's kind of captured in that. Mm, mm. Um, so it's, it's becoming more and more complex. But I think the thing that normally with sport, which is a little bit different than entertainment content, is that each country has some sports that are critical to it. And there's a lot of interest typically in the local competitions. And so whether a really big global player wants to come in and buy the rights to New Zealand cricket or New Zealand rugby or something like that, for a relatively small population base on a world scale, that's always quite a big question mark in terms of, well, will they really want to do that? If if the sport is one that is a truly global sport with a global audience, then potentially they could. But yeah, at the moment, that in most markets, you know, if you look at the rights for English Premier League in England, you know, it's billions. Um, if you look at the rights for the NFL in America – it's billions. Rest of the world, though, is is actually a much much smaller number, yeah. right? Which which is interesting because that that's the sort of thing where potentially Amazon does go and to buy, you know, US or UK rights for something, and um, you know they say, look, we'll just we'll just take the whole lot, and and then you know it, make, it makes it very hard for spark in that sort of case to be able to uh, compete on those particular sports right that's true if they were to do that that would be very hard to compete with you know we haven't though seen anyone really do that yet um and it's possible that you know in the future that that some player could choose to do that it would be a very very big check and even for even for amazon clearly Mm. they could do it if they wanted or an apple Mm. could do Mm. it Mm. But we are talking tens of billions of dollars yep. to do that for an individual competition. Yep. So it's a, it'd be a big a big call to make. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, um, 
one one of our listeners was pinged me over the uh, over the over the weekend, and he was having. Um, this is uh, Robin uh, Kappa, um, and this was on on Twitter, and he was having varying sort of technical challenges. Um, yeah, he was saying, "Look, I get you know great results. I've got a nice, fast. Uh, I think it was you know VD, VDSL or maybe it's uh, VDSL. Anyway, pretty a pretty fast uh, internet connection that handles his uh, Netflix and his TVNZ on demand and other uh, other bits and pieces. But was having quite sort of viewable um, results with Spark Sport." How do you think that journey is going to look for you to address you know the, those sorts of challenges? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, um, you know we'll get round to Rugby World Cup, and there will be some people that are still having technical challenges. How will you, you know, try and get to that to a point where the the number that are in that sort of state is as is as low as possible? Um, well, I think we've produced a range of educational materials to help people. Um, and we've got a, obviously a help desk that actually can help people in this web chat. And we're looking at a variety of different touch points to make it easy for people to actually inquire. For some of the things, and this is where I, you know, we're encouraging people to come on now. So the fact that this uh, particular individual's had challenges, you know, that's, that's not good. But at least in having them now, we can try to work with the individuals to see if we can actually solution them. You right. know? And will your will your app be able to? You know, and I don't know what the what the issue is here, but you know, he dived in and was looking at his, his network traffic usage and saying, you know, sometimes it's up around you know twenty megs, and then suddenly it's sort of dropping off. Will your app be able to collect a certain amount of sort of um, you know analytics data or something, and then feed that back? To you, so in cases where someone's having an issue, you know you can maybe you know you maybe have some raw data uh, to help you troubleshoot that. Is that something these platforms provide? It is, and it but it varies depending on which device that the person's actually using, and you know who's actually their ISP and how, how that right. all hangs yeah. together. Yeah, um, I mean, I think yeah, there's been a network group that have been formed, you know soon after we won the rights to the Rugby World Cup. And the whole industry is really focused on making the Rugby World Cup the best experience that it possibly can because it's a it's a watershed moment really for the industry as a whole and for New Zealand in terms of distribution of content. You know, we're, and I think the industry is very focused on making this the best it can possibly be. So I think all down the line, ISPs, WISPs, Everyone is working together to try and make sure we solution to make this good for people. But certainly it helps if people come on early because the sooner they come on, we can find out if they, if they are having problems. And because this individual said that they get a good streaming experience, and I guess critical that that's in prime time, that they're talking about peaking, and it um, sounds like they are, if, if you get a good experience in terms of prime time, in terms of watching Netflix, Lightbox, TVNZ On Demand – you should have a good experience with Spark Sport. Mm. So for someone not to be, that's that's a little bit perplexing and we would like to obviously engage with that person to see if we can help them. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, it, one thing, and I think we've spoken about on the show before, 
in terms of making things very easy, and, and actually, I was talking to um, someone I work with who's who's not an you know not super keen on get diving into things too technically. They they like it very easy. They're used to having a uh, you know a sky decoder that uh, you know they just plug it in and it, and it works. Um, is there the likelihood that you will launch some sort of a um, a box or something that somebody can just plug in that's pre-configured from you for the the non-technical audience that can go online they might pay an extra 50 or a hundred dollars uh, to get it but once they hook that in they don't have to jump online and you know go through a browser and fill out all their details a credit card and so on because they've been able to you know order that some other way whether it's you know calling spark going through a, a retailer or is that uh, is that is that dreaming to think that it'll, it will be quite that easy um it's certainly not part of our current plan to do that i think our plan at the moment is very app driven you know the intention is to have nine apps I think the smart TV apps, when we roll those out, they will certainly make it easier for people for without a doubt. Yeah, right? So, yeah. And I think we're really fortunate in New Zealand that, you know, the four main manufacturers have over 80% of the market. And so that's that doesn't play out in all markets around the world. Mm. So, I mean, I, re- I remember being in the UK uh, and walking into a you know, big, big, big retailer. Now TV, they had a little Roku box that was, you know, maybe – 20, 20 pounds or something, you know, walked out. Yes, there was a, there was a you know, because it was just, a, you know, it was just a straight retailer, there was still some online stuff, but you, you hooked that into an HDMI cable and into your TV and, yeah. you know, away you went quite easily. Now, I imagine to do a deal with, with Roku, who are, you know, absolutely massive in the US, uh, you've actually probably got to have quite a bit of scale for uh, uh, for those sort of discussions to take place because I haven't seen uh, those Roku boxes appearing in too many other other markets. I think that's true. And I think if you look at the you know, how Netflix and Lightbox are, are trucking along really well without that, mm. you know, and th- I think that suggests to us that if we do this well with the apps that we've got on the plan, you know, with Chromecast and, and Apple TV and the basic ones that are out there already, you know, Android and iOS, and we're covering the bases and web, mm. we'd mm. like to think through all of those. That should make it relatively easy for the vast majority of New Zealanders to actually be able to access SparkSport. Mm. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed to work pretty well uh, for me from uh, iPhone uh, mm-hmm. through Apple TV. That worked well. Um, the other unusual scenario I tried was uh, was it must have been on um, on the uh, Galaxy S S ten and S ten plus, which has a USB C connection. Uh, in my office, I have a uh, you know, reasonable size screen. Uh, that allows you to plug a laptop or you know your MacBook or your Surface or whatever USB-C uh, based uh, computer you know straight mm-hmm. in one cable charging networking display, um, but of course that works with smartphones as well. And uh, and I plugged that in and that worked uh, that worked flawlessly through that uh, mechanism as well. Um, so um, I'm not sure we're going to see that in traditional TVs anytime soon. But boy, that was a, that was a super easy experience. Interesting. Um, the oddity I got with uh, with taking it from the iPhone, of course, there's no Apple TV app yet, and I know mm-hmm. you know those are, those things are uh, you know are, are coming over they you know are. over over the months ahead. 
uh, was I found you know you can you can flick to another app and you know it will still keep playing through the Apple TV. But I I must have um, uh, I received a phone call actually, and so the, uh, um, the the app was sitting there, and then suddenly the phone call comes in, and uh, I think I by after the phone call finished and I hung up. Um, Somehow, when I went back into the Spark Sport app, completely lost my place and whatnot. So huh. there, are, there are you know obviously some of those things that you'll just you'll just be working through and Correct. and coming across those circumstances. I mean, I remember when Lightbox first started, uh, when it you know first launched, um, you know if you ex- exited a uh, you know watching a program. Uh, it didn't remember where you were at, and you had to go back and try and find the uh, find the spot. So, you know, I guess those are areas that are going to keep you busy over the next few weeks until you get well, to I think a, so. a, you know a, a full experience that everyone will be expecting. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And I think, I mean, people forget when Netflix first launched in the US, they had niggles. Um, I, everyone I'm aware of globally, when they've launched, has had a few, which is one of the reasons why we launched in beta, and, and also mm. why we said thirty days free. Come on in March. Mm. Free because we know that there are things that we still need to add in terms of functionality or in terms of fixing some of these little bugs. Mm. And we can only do that when we get the feedback from people like yourself telling us. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, one, we t- on, a, on a recent show, um, we talked about a company called Pacific. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pacific, uh, who are, um, they have SpaceX putting up uh, a satellite that will cover ah. all, all of all of New Zealand, uh, delivering VDSL type speeds to the country, and they're talking about unlimited plans. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did check in with their uh, their folks because uh, they're launching. Well, apparently that satellite that will cover New Zealand. Uh, uh, SpaceX is supposed to be putting it up uh, in the third quarter of this year, but the feedback is that it's unlikely uh, to be ready in time for the Rugby World Cup uh, because if it was, the 40,000 uh, number that was sort of uh, bandied around that, that won't be able to get sufficient internet might have been covered, but it sounds like it might be uh, might not uh, actually uh, be delivering service until you know, maybe December or January type time frame and right. uh, you know, with I guess a project of that, that sort of scale those 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 timings can change you know as well. No, they can, I can, <laughs> but I think satellite delivered internet's really interesting, right? So, I think as a as a solution potentially for you know some rural areas, it's a it's really interesting. Mm. So, well, you know, I guess there's a lot of people that still rely on uh, you know they really receive you know sky, um, you know, out in those areas. Um, you know, via satellite, and I guess that's that's mostly um, you know how that content gets through to people today. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's pleasing to see satellite internet actually sort of get now getting to a point where uh, you know it's quite reasonable. There's still delays, and it's you know not so good for things like uh, uh, you know audio and video calls and so on. But uh, certainly, it's getting better uh, though, we'll, isn't it? We'll fill in some of some of those gaps. Yeah. Um, so yeah. L- lastly, how you know where are you where are you expecting this whole uh, you know world of of um, of sport uh, consumption to be heading in in the future? Where else will sort of technology fill in the gap? What other things do you do you expect will change over the years ahead? Um, well, I, I think as I said earlier, I think probably the one of the biggest changes that's taking place at the moment is the fact that because of the obvious benefits of streaming, distribution of sporting content is quickly moving into that space. 
Um, the only thing that's really slowing it down is the fact that a lot of sports, as we said earlier, are on multi-year contracts and they're tied up with linear players. And so that's a little bit of a handbrake because some of the sports rights actually aren't made available. So they just they can't go there. But I think over time that's going to change. Um, and also because there's a group of people that as yet aren't used to streaming and need to become familiar with it and, and move. But it's amazing how fast populations do move. I mean, when satellite TV you know, came to New Zealand, I remember we all looked at it and said, well, God, what's a set-top box? And it's amazing how quickly everyone came to grips with the technology. And New Zealand actually is, you know, as you undoubtedly know far more than I, is, is, is one of the leaders in terms of innovation of technology and the spread of technology. And so I think people will move really quickly into streaming. The other interesting trends that are playing out globally at the moment are the movement of viewership which is kind of reflecting the benefits, I think, of streaming from linear TV, whether that's free or pay, to streaming. So Netflix is obviously one of the major beneficiaries and drivers of that. Mm. We'd like to think Spark Sport will do its piece to drive that as well, um, just like Lightbox does as as well. Um, and then there's a whole lot of the individual major sporting competitions creating their own apps and their own direct-to-consumer global plays. Yes, so that's a really interesting global development in sport. You know, so NFL Game Pass, uh, NBA League Pass, UFC Fight Pass, they're becoming more prevalent because all of the major sports are wanting to build a relationship directly with their global fans. Of course. Of course, those are really expensive though. You know, so you know, NBA League Pass and NFL Game Pass are terrific products, but they're around that sort of 250 to $300 a season US, so they're they're not cheap, um, and I guess our thinking is, what we'd like to do is to make a really attractive bundle of sporting content available to people, so they don't have to get all those separate apps. And most people don't want to watch all one thousand matches necessarily in the NBA competition, but they would certainly like the ability to carry and watch five, six, seven matches a week. Yes, yeah. and that's what NBA TV does. You know? Yeah, so. I think we're trying to put together a really compelling bundle of content that will, will reach a large number of New Zealanders and give them a range of sports that they like watching. We are very interested in all sports rights, so we're interested in the big local sporting competitions when those rights become available. We're interested in rugby, we're interested in cricket, NRL, netball, you name it, we're really interested in carrying it right? because we really believe this is the future for sport and we really are passionate about making that more accessible than it is now. Some of those might fall outside of your monthly $20 a month plan? Potentially, yeah. Some of the, the really big ones downstream, um, but we've got no intention of changing the, the price point that, you know, where we are at the moment for the content that we're making available. That includes when we bring on the Premier League in, in August. Rugby not World Cup and so on. Rugby World Cup separate. Okay. So that's priced separately from the base service. So, yes, that'll be that'll be an, an add-on. Um, but all the other content we've got, all those sports I mentioned earlier and some more, which we'll be announcing over the next few weeks, all of that's going to be there for you $20 a month. Yeah. Now, those that can't get it that are out in rural areas, you got some sort of deal for the pubs and places that they might go to to be able to get the, the content as well? We're working really hard on that at the moment. Okay. You know, because I think that's obviously a really, that's a really nice opportunity for people that actually can't get it to their, to their home for whatever reason. 
if they can go down to the local pub club or whatever, then that certainly is something we're working on very hard at the moment. Excellent. Well, it's been great to have you on the show, Jeff. Oh, it's been lovely to be here, matey. Thanks for coming and uh, hanging out and uh, and chatting. And look, we're, I'm sure we're going to have lots more questions and you know lots more discussion on uh, on these things through the year. So uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, chatting again with you or, or a member of your your team um, as things progress. Oh, Paul, I'm only too happy to do that, and I really enjoyed it. So, terrific. Thank you. Good stuff. Excellent. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. We'll catch you uh, next week on the next uh, show. Uh, remember, you can uh, get in touch through uh, social media. Uh, you can track me down at Paul Spain on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or uh, or LinkedIn. Um, Jeff, where's the place people need to uh, need to go to find out about Spark Sport? That's a pretty uh, easy one. www.sparksport.co.nz. Excellent. Go there, register. And I think you'll really enjoy the experience. Good stuff. All right. Cheers. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.